Good morning, everybody. This is Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths, in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving the king's court, and he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans." The king appointed them for a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned them new names, and to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank, so he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, you guys have a seat. Thank you, Micah. Doesn't he have a great voice? <laughs> we say that every time he reads, because he does. It's awesome. Um, thank you. Hey, Mike is one of our student directors here at Eastridge and does a great job, him and Bree, um, down there with students. So if you want to know more about student ministry, you can talk to Micah. You can talk to me as well. I'd love to get your kids connected. Um, man, thank you all for being here today. We are jumping into a, a new series as we kind of kick off our, our uh, semester here in this, the series we're calling Stand. And really, it's just a, a series. We're going to walk through the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. Um, and I say the first six chapters, we're actually going to we're going we're gonna to stop in um, after chapter six. Chapter seven of Daniel kind of makes a, a shift in the nature of the book of Daniel. And some of you are like, oh man, we want to get into the weird stuff in Daniel seven and beyond that. Um, we, did a, we did a series on Revelation a couple of years ago, and Daniel is the only apocalyptic book in the Old Testament. Um, and, and Revelation has a lot to do with the second half of Daniel. Um, so if you want to go listen to some of that, those, those messages are still online. But we're going to go through Daniel 1 through 6, really, because we just want to look at, man, some of these kind of, and, and a lot of these stories are very famous. These are stories that you know. We're going to talk about um, this Daniel fast story today. Next week is um, getting thrown into the fiery furnace. And then we got Daniel in the lion's den and um, Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar and all these different kinds of interesting stories. But here's the reason um, that really we want to kick off our year going through Daniel is because Daniel is a book, um, maybe more than any other, especially Old Testament book, about what it looks like to live your life in a culture that is hostile, right? It, it, at least kind of indifferent or um, not, not friendly to the people of God, but at worst hostile and dangerous to the people of God. Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who we'll talk a little bit more about next week, um, they are among the, the exiles of the people of God, the Israelites, who have been taken from their land in Jerusalem off into Babylon. In 605 BC, uh, Babylon sacked Jerusalem, and they carried off a, a lot of exiles into the land of Babylon, Babylon under the king Nebuchadnezzar. And for 70 years, the Israelites lived in a foreign land 
in the nation of Babylon from 605 BC to 536 BC. So the book of Daniel really spans that time. The book of Daniel is written to kind of cover what, what was it like? What was it like for the people of God to live in a place that was not really their home? Right? And so do you hear in that short description sort of the, the kind of uh, attention, really attention for the people of God living in a place that's sort of foreign to them where they're exiles, where they're not living in their own home? And do you hear maybe our story as Christian people living in a world today in 2023, United States of America, in a world that's not our home either? Right? Philippians 3.20, the Apostle Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from there, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That, that, yes, we live here now. And yet we, just like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we are exiles in a foreign land. And so it, I think Daniel is a great place for us to look as to just how do I live my life then? How do I live in a world that doesn't always line up with what I believe, how I think, how I want to live where there's a, a king, so to speak, or people in charge who have set up decrees and laws that maybe even go against some of the things that I believe, where people aren't always falling in line with the stuff that Christians think is right and good and true. How do I live in that world? I think Daniel's a good example of that. What I love about Daniel, and as we read through his story, I hope you'll see this, is that he's an example of what it looks like to live simply and humbly and honestly and faithfully in the midst of that culture and that kingdom. It's just such a simple story, really. And there are some amazing things that happen in this story. But really what I hope we see today in this little story is that really it's not anything super crazy or amazing as much as it's just a man resolving to be faithful to God in the midst of a culture that would, would beckon him to be anything but that. That he would just say, you know what? I'm going I'm to stand right here on God's word, and I'm going to live for his glory, no matter what may come for me. Um, and so this is the way we want to live in our world. And it begins, and here's, here's a word for today, it begins with our identity. Just say the word identity. Everybody say that. Identity, right? Because I, I want that in your minds, I want it in your brains um, for the rest of today and as we, as we head out here in a little bit. Identity. That, that who we are and what we do in, in this culture, in this world, in the kingdoms of the earth, how we live in this life, it begins with our identity. It begins with who we are, right? Everything that we do really flows out of our identity. Daniel knows this, I believe, and we see this in Daniel chapter 1. So the first thing I want us to kind of have in our minds today is that identity is a battleground, Identity is a battleground. And simply what I mean by that is uh, the, the world in which we live, y'all, it is constantly coming after our identity, who we are. Who are you as a person, as a human being? What do you believe? How were you created or not created, maybe, right? Are you an accident? Are you just an amalgamation of cells and synapses and lightning or whatever? Like, what created you? How did you come into being? And what's your purpose? What's your reason for being in this world? Is there a purpose? Is there a reason? Who are you? The Bible has a lot to say about that, right? God has a lot to say about these things, and our culture has things to say about this too. And I think Daniel chapter 1 is just a, a wonderful look into what it might look like when 
that identity comes under attack. So Micah just read for you guys um, verses 1 through 8. So I'm not going to read that whole section again. I'll start with verse 6. Let's read Daniel 1, starting in verse 6. Here's what happens. As, as Daniel and his friends are carried off into Babylon, here's the beginning of this. Now, remember, they're, they're young men. They're, they're teenagers at this time, okay? Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave, new, gave them new names, identity, right? He gives them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel, verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So let, let's just pause there for a second. And um, I, I want you to understand as we begin this story and what, from, from what Micah just read that um, verses 4 and 5, if you were to go back and read that, you see that the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he's bringing these young men in. And not only has he given them new names, but he starts to do some things that's going to sort of inform their identity and who they are, right? So he brings these guys in from Jerusalem, Judea, um, and, and wants to instantly change them, shape them, mold them to have a new identity, right? Like that's his goal. And Nebuchadnezzar, if you're paying attention to the story, he's smart enough to know something, that the best way to shape someone's identity is not to beat it out of them. It's to spoil them. What does he do? He gives them clothes. He gives them food. He said the choice food from, from his own table. And he gives them new names. He educates them too. Teaches them their languages. Like he's picking the smartest boys. So he's probably even flattered them. You guys are the smartest. Y'all are the best looking, he said. Right? You guys are the, the cream of the crop, the top of the top. And I just want you to know that, man, I, I, I so respect you. And I see the value that you guys have. And I see your aptitudes and your skills and all these things. Y'all come on in. Be part of my court. Here, here's some clothes to wear. I want you to wear these clothes. I'm going to teach you all the things of the Babylonians. I'm going to give you my food to eat. And I'm even going to give you new names. And he names them all different things. He actually names each one of these young Jewish boys, he names them names that have to do with the gods of the Babylonians. Belteshazzar means Prince of Bel. It's their chief god. That's what Daniel's name was in Babylon. So he, he gives them all these new names, right? What is he doing? He's shaping their identity. He's trying to change the way that they view themselves because if he can do that, and he's doing it through what? Through, through, through spoiling them, through giving to them, through blessing them, pampering them, making them comfortable. Do you feel the tension here in the, in the world that we live in right now? Is this not the way our identity is often being shaped or the way that we're tempted to be shaped in the culture and in the world in which we live, to be comfortable, to be happy, to be satisfied in the things that we have? And this is what Nebuchadnezzar has the smarts to do to these young men because identity is a battleground. He knows, he knows something that if he can get them to begin to identify themselves with Babylon, if he can get them to begin to identify themselves no longer as Jewish young men, but as Babylonian young men, he's got them. Like that's the battle. That's the fight that he's trying to win right here at the very beginning. And so he, he's just pampering. He's just spoiling them because if he can change their minds to that degree that I am a Babylonian, he knows because he's given them that, like Nebuchadnezzar gave them that, right? He gave them their identity. And guess what? You worship whoever gives you identity. I don't know if you know that, 
That's absolutely true. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar wants. And we're actually going to see this next week when he sets up a statue of himself. He wants to change their identity so that he can inform their worship and he can get their worship for himself. You worship whoever gives you identity. Who gives you your identity? Where is it? What have you set your identity, your nature, your character, all the things that you stand on in this world? Where have you set who you are? Let's keep reading. And the second point I just want to make today from, from this text is that identity is a choice. It's a choice that Daniel and his friends have and about how they're going to identify themselves. Verse eight, here's the key verse of this whole section. But Daniel resolved, that, that word means set his heart in place, right? Made a decision to stand firm in a place and not be moved no matter what, right? He resolved to do what? Not defile himself with the royal food and the wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the King who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than all the other young men your age? The King would then have my head because of you. So Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please, Test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and they tested them for 10 days. So it says Daniel just resolves, right? So the, the whole thing with the food here, um, you got to think again, they, they've given them clothes. They've started to train them and teach them. They've given them new names. Daniel can't really control what names they call him, right? Like they're going to call him whatever name they want to call him. He can't really control that. Obviously he has to have some clothes to wear. So they've given him clothes and he can wear those clothes. But Daniel's kind of figured out there is something here that I can actually have control over, a choice that I can make. And it's the food that they're giving me to eat. So it says the king has given them the choicest food from his own table and all these things. Probably, most likely, this food was um, offered in sacrifice to their gods. Most likely it was. It doesn't necessarily say that, but um, that, was, that was common practice. And the king, again, because he's trying to shape their identity, he knows, man, if I can get them to, to even enjoy my own food, because he probably understands from who these people are that there are certain foods that Jews do not eat because God's law has laid clearly out that there are certain foods that are more clean, certain foods that are unclean, foods that they don't touch, don't taste, don't eat. And so some of these foods are probably included in that, right? And so Daniel resolves, Daniel decides, he makes a choice here. I'm not going to defile myself with this food. Now, here's another word for us today. As we think about our identity, it's the word compromise. Compromise. Y'all, it's just food. You know, like Daniel's not in Jerusalem anymore. They're not where the temple is anymore. The priests aren't there with Daniel to like tell him what to do. And the elders aren't there. All these, like he's just kind of alone. He's in Babylon. When in Rome, right? When in Babylon, do as they do and live as they live. It's not that big of a deal to just eat the food that the king would give to him. But I think Daniel understood something. That at some point he had to put his foot down and he had to make a choice. And his choice here is to not compromise. What, what is compromise? Compromise is that moment 
when you know there's probably something that is, is maybe not even necessarily the worst thing in the world to do, but it's also not the best thing in the world to do, you know? And you, you're kind of walking the path that God has given you to walk, that straight path that he's called you down, his word, his law, and you're trying to follow him. And you just go, you know what? I'm not like going over here. I'm not doing this crazy stuff. It's not like Daniel is all of a sudden worshiping all these gods. It's not like Daniel has just committed this wicked idolatry or that he's fallen down at their altars or anything. Like that. He's like, you know, I'm not going off the rails. I'm not way over here. I'm still want to walk the path of God. But I, you know what? I'll just do this. You get what I'm saying? I'll just turn a little bit. But what happens? What happens when we compromise and we begin to walk out of that compromise? The further we go, the further off we get, right? I think Daniel understands. This is the beginning of the story. And if I'm going to spend, he has no idea at this point how long he's going to be here, how long he's going to have to live as a Babylonian in the midst of a foreign culture, Man, he knows I got to make a choice now. If I'm going to live my life for the one true living God in the midst of this culture, yeah, this might seem like an insignificant decision to some, just what food you're going to eat. But he resolved. And he says they kind of test him and they, they look at him for 10 days and do all this stuff um, to kind of see, you know, how, how's this going to work out? Verse 15, it says, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate their royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables instead. Now all the other people are ticked at Daniel. You know what I'm saying? A man dude was eating bacon over here, and they gave him broccoli, and he's just mad, right? Because Daniel looks better than them. And now everybody has to eat all the vegetables and just drink water like, like they are. Um, and listen to verse 17, because I want you to hear, um, man, just the truth of this. To these four men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God gave knowledge and understanding and all, and all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Let's just keep reading to the end. He says, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians, the enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. And so I know the final thing about our identity that I want us to see from this story is that identity is the platform for purpose. Daniel, I think, understood this and when you think about identity being the platform for purpose, what that simply means is that who we are informs what it is that we do in this world. It is the platform out of which God uses us to move forward into the things that he has for us, the plans and the purposes that he has for us. Here's what uh, Ephesians 2.10 says. Ephesians 2.10 says this. Listen to this. this is, uh, identity is the platform for purpose. It says, for we are God's workmanship identity, right? We are God's workmanship, created identity, made in God, made to know Jesus, right? Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Your identity is the platform for your purpose, the things that God has called you to, the ministry that he's given you, the opportunities that we have in this world to show people the glory and the goodness of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ in us, to, to share the gospel, to make disciples, all those things that God is calling us to do as Christians. It begins with who we are. 
It starts with us residing in, abiding in, to use Jesus's own word, John 15, 5, abiding in Jesus, where he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, identity in me, you can do nothing. That's what Jesus said. Man, you want to do something? You want to have purpose? You want to be useful in this world for the kingdom of God? You know where it starts? It starts with your identity in him and being unwilling to compromise out of that identity that we have to resolve like Daniel. We have to choose that we will stand in a place and stand firm in that place as the people of God. We sang this morning, as the children of God bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, filled with his Holy Spirit to give us new identity and that we would walk in that identity no matter what our culture tries to give us instead, no matter how our culture tries to spoil us, no matter how our culture tries to entertain us, no matter how our culture tries to divide us, y'all feeling that? That we would resolve. Man, I'm a child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, changed by him, transformed by him, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna walk out of that purpose and out of that identity every single day so that I would know that God is now using me for his kingdom purposes. And if and when it comes to the point where we have to resolve that we will not enjoy some of the things of the culture, where we will not engage in the things that the world is throwing at us to engage in, to be entertained by, to give ourselves to, if it comes to that point, then we will choose that. And we will choose to remain faithful. Um, the band's going to come back up here and we're going to have a time here at the end of just, man, we're going to pray and we're going we're gonna to sing one more time. But 1 Corinthians 10.31, this was just on my mind. Um, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know what that verse means? Here's what it means. It means whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you should do it all to the glory of God. Is that, do I want to break that down by like the Greek? Um, I think in the Greek, it's whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. I think here's, here's the fight that we fight in the culture we live in, is that we like to go, man, okay, I know that verse, whether I eat or drink, or whatever I do, except my work, do it all to the glory of God. Whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, except my marriage, do it all to the glory of God. Yes, awesome. Whether I eat or drink or whatever I do on Sundays, do it all to the glory of God. I'm being facetious and silly, I know that, but I'm really not. I think this is the verse, that, that verse is written many years after Daniel, but that's how Daniel was choosing in this moment to stand and live his life. It's just food, right? It's just food. It's just a little compromise. But whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, I want to do it all for the glory of God. Whatever I do. Are there areas of your life right now that you're not letting be under that category of whatever you do? Have you excluded 
God and his glory? Have you excluded your citizenship in heaven? Have you excluded your testimony as a son or daughter of God? Have you excluded your identity as a blood-bought child of the Most High King? Have you excluded that from some area of your life? Is it like, yes, Sundays are great, but the rest of my week, that's mine. Keep your hands off of that, Jesus. Or it's like, you know what? You can have 85%. You know what? I need my space at work. When I'm at work, I'm at work. And I'm just going to be at work. And I'm going to do what I need to do at work. And I'll make the compromises I need to do there. I'll give you the other 85%. But that is mine. Get your hands off it, Jesus. Or it's your leisure time. It's your free time. That's your time. You do what you want. You drink what you want. You eat what you want. You smoke what you want. Am I getting too personal? Your family, your relationships, your friendships, your job, your retirement, your sexuality. What have you made off limits to God? And does it matter? Does it matter whether you're here or whether you're somewhere else as to how you would choose to live your life. For Daniel, it didn't matter if he was in Jerusalem or Babylon. And guess what, y'all? We ain't in Jerusalem. Not when we go out there. Maybe it feels like Jerusalem in here. Awesome. Praise be that we get to come in the house of the Lord. But we spent a lot of time out there in Babylon. Are you resolving to choose in the identity God has given you as a child of his by the blood of Jesus and does that affect everything that you do everything that you do to the glory of God that's the question for today so here, so here you go how are you compromising right now are there some areas in which you might be compromising and that, that compromising again it just means ask, you know, kind of telling God you know what this is mine Everything else you can have, that's mine. My finances, mine. Is there an area like that for you? So here's, here's our challenge. And I want to kind of just give you a, this is a just pastoral challenge for you guys, for us as a church for the next four weeks. It's from today until September 3rd. It's the last Sunday of this series, the Stand series. But the challenge is this, that you would do some honest self-evaluation Man, just ask yourself, is there a place in my life, God, that I've made off limits to you? If there is, I want to give it to you now. And as we seek God in that question, in those prayers for the next four weeks, I want to ask if you would do this with me. I'm going to do this, and I want to ask you to do this with me, to fast. Daniel fasted. Daniel chose, I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to take some intentional, make some intentional effort to just eat these things and, 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 you know, be different and change the way that I'm living and looking and all those things just to draw near to the Lord and stand fast in my identity with him. So I'm going to ask us as a church over the next four weeks to fast starting tomorrow, Monday, what would that be? Uh, August 14th until September 3rd. Now, that fast can look all sorts of ways. I'm not going to tell you how to do that. I want you to seek the Lord in this. If you want to do this with me, with us, it might be food. It might be like a day per week that you just decide I'm not going to eat. 
Um, it might be a meal every single day that you decide not to eat this meal, or it might be something else in your life that you're just like, you know what, I'm kind of, I've made a lot of compromises in this area, so I need to fast from that. Maybe you need to stop spending money on certain things that you spend a lot of money on that probably isn't great. Maybe you need to stop watching something that you're constantly watching that probably isn't helpful to you. Whatever, I, I don't know. I, I'm just giving you an opportunity here. Do you hear what that is? It's not, a, it's not like an obligation. It's an invitation to just come in, set your feet on the identity that God's given you, and declare, I'm going to stand right here, and I'm going to seek the Lord in this. And as we move forward in this year, Maybe we're just going to start this with fasting. I'm going to be honest with you. This kind of goes against church world culture right now because church world culture would say August needs to be like your super raw, raw, exciting time in church so that everybody's like excited and wants to come. And I'm like, you know what? Forget that jump. I want us to be excited to be living in the identity and the purpose that God's given us as a church. And so to do that, we're going to start with prayer. I'm going to start with fasting as a church. Next week, we're going to have encounter night here. And it's going to be part of this. We're just going to seek the Lord's face and we're going to lay down before him whatever it is that we need to give to him. Our food, our finances, our friendships, our relationships, our marriages, our jobs, our leisure time. God, just take it and have it. It's yours. Whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, I want to do it all to the glory of God and not compromise my identity in Babylon. Because we're never going to make a difference out there, y'all. We're never going to make a difference in Babylon if we look like Babylonians. You get what I'm saying? We, we, we have to be like Daniel and just decide, you know what? I'm going to choose to be different. So that's an invitation. And so here's what we're going to do as we, as we sing this morning. I'm going to ask you guys to pray. Let's just start today by praying. Um, if you are on the prayer team and you want to come up and be up here, you're welcome to do that. If you want to come up and be prayed for, um, I want to invite you to do that. Or if you just want to come up and kneel in prayer, if you just want to pray at your seats. But man, I just want to ask you to ask the Lord today, God, is there an area in which I have compromised? And God, show me how I might give to you. Because here's what fasting is. Here's the definition of fasting. It's giving something up to receive something greater. You know what that something greater is? The presence of God purposes of God, the identity of God, giving up whatever just to say, God, I want you more than I want this. That's it. I want you. And so we would just give that up today. I want you to pray for that. And man, as God leads us forward this year, I believe that it's going to be a day like this and a time like this where we make that choice that's going to set the stage for all that he's going to do in us and through us and around us. Let me pray for you and then we'll pray together. Move if you need to. God, we love you. And we just ask, Lord, today that you would, that you would guide us forward, move us forward in purpose. Let us stand firm in our identity in Christ, resolving to be who you've said we are, who you've called us to be, and not who Babylon wants us to be. God, whatever it is you're calling us and asking us to give up, let us give it up for this month to lay it down and to trust you with it. Take everything, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.